0: give you glory. We worship your name. Jesus, we lift up your name. You're higher than the heavens. You are greater than the nations. Jesus, Son of God, we glorify you today. We honor you, Lord. Would you turn our ears towards you as we listen to uh, what you would have us to say, activate us. In faith today and show us what we should complete, Lord, that we may hit the target for which we were created. We glorify you for that this morning in the name of Jesus. If you love them, clap them, clap your hands like you love you, some Jesus. And that's it? Yeah, everybody love it. You may uh, have your seat if you would. Uh, Mom and Dad, it's okay if I call them Mom and Dad this morning, I always feel weird. I mean, sometimes I feel weird calling them Bishop and Lady Carolyn, uh, are with one of their sons this morning. They're in Florida at Fort Fort Myers with Bishop Johnson, and uh, pray for them. They'll be returning this week, and uh, so keep them in your prayers. Um, It's very important that we do that. Amen. There were many years ago we, um, we dedicated that when we would when we pray for our food, we would pray for our, our leaders. Why don't you uh, remember that in your prayers, if you would, uh, because it's important that we surround our leaders with, uh, with, with prayer. Um, I believe that our our pastors are on the forefront of the battlefield. I I feel like Metro is not worth shooting if we're not innovating or something like that. So I think we're headed that way again. And uh, so let's pray for our our bishop and and Lady Carol. is that good? Is that good? I get the honor this morning of introducing our real speaker this morning. Um, I was just playing on I, did. <laughs> I had a conversation with my, one of my friends yesterday And she was like, well, I got the word All right, come on, bring the word in How many of you guys enjoyed Easter Sunday this morning? It was awesome I'm so proud of the heises and uh, Christian And John and Sasha and all seven of y'all kids And Tanisha. man, if you would If you enjoyed that, if you would Clap your hands Yep, it was, it was good Christopher Johnson Jr. is not in the room, but oh my gosh! wasn't he awesome? Man, So many um, so many uh, words of encouragement and th- people keep talking about that little boy. Man, I think if that is a seed of things to come, my God, the enemy is in trouble. Uh, Because I'm amazed by by him. It was awesome. Man, he only had like a week, maybe a week or a half to to memorize everything. And I'm so super proud of him. Um, I believe that um, the resurrection is underrated. Uh, I think we concentrate on the death. uh, But I think we should concentrate on the resurrection. uh, Because if Jesus never got up out of the grave. And we don't have anything Anything to stand on (laughs) Oh But if he did Then everything else Is a lie Uh, More importantly What you believe about Jesus and the word of God um, Becomes The activation of power Inside of you When you decide to trust That Jesus raised From the dead I'm grateful for that this morning. Um, I want to continue what uh, Bishop Johnson has been doing for the last couple of weeks. He's been talking about inheritance. He and I have been having some very interesting conversations uh, lately about this idea. But you know me, I'm going to show you something. That good? And so uh, let's, let's start with that this morning. Go ahead, Kim.
1: We are all at least passingly familiar with the name Rockefeller. Some people might know the history of the family, while others just know that there's a square named after them, or maybe you mostly know the name from 30 Rock. In any case, mentioning the entrepreneurial dynasty conjures at the very least vague images of monopoly men ordering new gilding for their bathrooms or whatever it is that the preposterously wealthy do on Sundays. The facts are these. In the latter half of the 19th century, a new legend of commerce pushed himself into the public consciousness, John D. Rockefeller. The economic juggernaut born of a strict, thrifty mother and a verified con man of a father, John built an American empire the drink-your-milkshake way, refining oil and using the proceeds to refine more oil. The resulting business, Standard Oil Company, became a monster of capitalism so big that you probably don't realize how much of your life you've spent in its wake. After a government-ordered breakup of its holdings, Standard Oil became several small mom-and-pop operations with names like Exxon, Chevron, and Mobil. Needless to say, Johnny did all right for himself financially, eventually holding a personal net worth which, adjusted for inflation, comes out to around $360 billion in today money, or roughly calculated in metric terms, a Scrooge McDuck gold pool worth. He was described in one article as, quote, the most successful man in the world, the man who has got the most of what men most want. John Rockefeller passed away in 1937, leaving behind four surviving children, a legacy of American go-gettishness, and a series of trusts under the control of his male descendants. This begs the question, the better part of a century later, how's that going for them? By the time of his death at age 97, Rockefeller had been effectively retired for around 40 years. Deeply interested in philanthropy, he had donated portions of his paycheck to charity starting at age 16, And the habit seemed to die hard philanthropy roundtable estimates that through his various contributions john gave away more than half a billion dollars in his lifetime helping to found the university of chicago and fund schools dedicated to the education of former slaves add to that his penchant for owning massive estates his love of golf and his habit of handing dimes to successful businessmen as a hilarious joke And you might think that the family coffers were looking a little dry when he finally crossed that oily rainbow bridge. But being personally responsible for an estimated 1.5% of the US economy means having a bank account that's difficult to dent. According to Forbes, in 2016, the remaining Rockefellers had a combined net worth of $11 billion, making them the 23rd wealthiest family in America. Sure, it's nowhere close to the fat swinging fortune that John himself wielded at the time of his death, but it's a safe bet that none of the Rockefellers are eating off the dollar menu. What's more fascinating is what the Rockefellers have chosen to do with their fortune, namely, at least in part, fighting oil companies. As early as 2003, members of the family were proposing resolutions at Exxon board meetings to investigate the role of fossil fuels in climate change. The whole thing came to a head in 2016, when members of the family, charging under the flags of two Rockefeller charitable organizations, sued ExxonMobil for misleading the public with regards to the realities of global warming. Scientific evidence remains inconclusive as to whether human activities affect the global climate. On top of that, the Rockefeller Foundation has funded efforts which led to the vaccine for yellow fever, the evacuation of Jewish scientists from Nazi Germany, and the establishment of the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. Of course, they also funded German poison gas development in the early 20th century and irradiated a bunch of pregnant women in the 1940s as a sort of let's see what happens experiment. History is complicated. Check out one of our newest videos right here. Plus, even more grunge videos about your favorite stuff are coming soon. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss a... What
0: would... Oh, my God, that Joker gave away $500 million? That's a lot of darn money. What would it have been like if you were a descendant of a Rockefeller? What sort of life would you be living now? If you're parents saw to it that what they built was specific for you to stand on with your whole life, what kind of life would you have right now? If I listen to this video I I see that it's it's almost every form, every uh, mountain of culture He was able to affect and is still affecting today. That is an absolutely amazing feat. I think, man, what what would I be doing if money was not an issue? How would I live? How would I think? How would I spend my time? Would you be one of the ones that would be just traveling all over the world, right? Going everywhere. Like spending your time in, in towns in Ibiza and, and, and chilling in, 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 in a, what do you call them, uh, uh, those bungalows that are floating on the water. You know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. It's there. Actually, there, There's actually. You don't even got to go that far. You can go to Saint Lucian and get in one. Where you walk, wake up in the morning, and you just jump in the water right there, right there off the, the side of your porch. Or would you have stock in or own certain media entities that would influence the world? Or would you do something with oil? which obviously is an issue right now? Or how many people would be affected because you had something to do with some sort of influence in their life? How would you live? What would change in your mind and in your thinking? Most importantly, who would you be? How would you conduct yourself if you understood about what you were capable of because money really wasn't an object for you? I've been saying it a long time. You know, people, who don't, people who have money are only limited by their imagination. Who would you be? It's interesting to, to think about, you know, I was thinking about this, this, this today in, in the last couple of days, and I thought about those of us, I don't know about you, but I have always, I don't know, may, maybe it's just me, um, or maybe you identify with this. Have, are you one of those people who have always known that you were supposed to be like somebody, somebody? Is anybody else feel that way? Like, like the way that I'm so when like what the epitaph, you know, the little dash in between the, the year that you were born and the year that you died, that that epitaph is full of things that affected the world. Anybody else felt like that? Am I? Am I the only one? I don't know what it is. It, in every room that I walk in, I feel like an anomaly. I feel like the weirdo. I promise you I do. Uh, I promise you the the person you're looking at right now is not the one that you see privately between Frederick and I. By the way, you are the love of my life. And I want to honor you today. You love me so good. Jesus, Jesus really loves me when he gave me you. I really appreciate you saying yes, I really do. Sorry, just had to get that out the way real quick. You ain't got to clap, you don't need it. Um, but, but but I am one of those ones who feels like like I'm supposed to be doing something great. Like I'm supposed to be doing something that's astronomical. Like I'm so glad that the internet has kind of leveled the playing field, right? Because it put, it's, it's the opportunity to to affect the whole world. This message goes out to those of you who feel like you're meant for more, meant for better, meant for greater. This one goes out to those of you who feel like you're doing good, but there's so much more in store. Anybody ever felt like that? Like I'm all right, like I ain't doing bad. But but it's a whole lot more that I could be doing. And it's not about the accumulation of things as much as for me, it's about the, the, uh, having a greater influence on a, on a greater amount of people. This one goes out to those of you who may feel like you read the Word of God, and you trust and believe the Word of God, but there are some inconsistencies with what it says and what's in my, my life. Am I? Talking to anybody like that? Like, like what, when it says riches in glory, I'm thinking, this, this, I believe Jesus. It's been 30 years I've been giving first fruits, Lord. Am I? Am I? But I, and, but I know that there is something else. This is the one who goes out to those of us who are willing to admit that we're living just a little bit beneath what God intended. Because if you can admit it, as soon as you blame somebody else, you take away the power to change it. But the moment you accept responsibility, you you accept the ability to do and be something different. I was, uh, if you you pay any attention to the first, to, uh, devotions on on facebook anybody else you are you enjoying the the um the devotions every day are you really that's good if we took them away would that be you know you get tired of them okay y'all didn't say no so we're gonna take them away just a little bit we'll see what happens i'm just playing with you uh, if you listen to the devotions at all for me you will um you remember that i am in this interesting uh study that i'm doing uh regarding the The week before jesus died passed away was killed (laughs) and and you know when he was buried and when he resurrected when he no i'm the whole crucifixion i'm in the middle of studying that and uh, i found this um i have an app but i also found this website that puts all four versions like because you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the same story four different ways, right? And some people like to say that the stories have inconsistencies, but if you look that actually they're very consistent. And um and it's proof. It's proof. The, the 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 small things that are different are proof of the of its truth. That's a whole nother uh deal Shonda. Uh but uh but I see I've seen the, the four versions of it and there's something that I found that I've never seen before. I just love it when the Word of God does that. Anybody else love that? I don't know about you, but I am absolutely in love with the Word of God. It changes me when, when, when I read it, when I go down up in there, you know what I mean? And so what I found, thank you, appreciate you, I holler at you, because if you talk to me, this will go real, real much faster. <laughs> So I found this, this, this verse in chapter 18 of John, uh, just a couple of verses. I think I read them just a few days ago. It wasn't between y'all long, so I'm going to read it for everybody this morning. Shameless plug, a little dig right there, a little shade, you be, you be all right. Uh, John 18, 4 through 7, and I found something that I've never seen before. John 18, 4-7, really quick, it says, Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen. So let me tell you. So Jesus was about, about to be killed. It was Friday night. Um, he, was, Jude, he had sent Judas to do his words, right? And then he went to his favorite, one of his favorite places to pray, which is why they needed Judas to find him. Because Judas, uh, because a few, for, for the whole week before, Jesus was slipping between their fingers because it wasn't time yet. So he would go in front of the temple, say some strange things, the scribes and the, and the Pharisees wouldn't like it, they'd try to nab him right there, but he would slip through their fingers and they wouldn't be able to catch him. So that's why they needed Judas to bring him exactly where he was going to be there, and then, and then they needed Jesus, Judas to kiss Jesus because they didn't know which one he was. That's kind of funky right there. It's a whole other teaching for a whole another different time, right? So uh, Jesus just gets up off the floor. In fact, Matthew says that his face was on the floor. And he's begging his father, look here, father, is there any other way we can do this? Please, please, three times he asked the Lord. I, I can't, I ain't going to be able to do it but not what my will, but yours be done. Third time, he comes back and he's talking to his disciples and while he was talking I thought it was interesting that in all four accounts, they specifically say while Jesus was talking, Judas and the cohort comes through. Now some say elders, priests, and scribes, some place the servants of them, but anyway they all come in, Judas is is leading them and Jesus knowing full well what was about to happen he went out to the garden entrance to meet them. So he came out. He came out of the garden of his place of prayer Man, never saw that one before Usually you think they came into the garden Anybody else saw it that way? But John says they came out of the garden Man, that's something, that's something serious It's something special that happens when you're in the garden with Jesus by yourself I want to bring importance back to your daily devotions Especially when you got to face something that you, that you really don't want to do Find yourself in the presence of God by yourself. So they exit the garden. John was the one who gave this detail. John was the one that Jesus said was physically the closest to him. What I notice about John's account is it's not a lot about the happenings, but it's a whole lot about what he said. That's just what I'm observing. he, He went out to the garden entrance to meet them. Stepping forward, this is Jesus, he says. He says, who are you looking for? happen but he still asked them the question who are you looking for Jesus of Nazareth they replied now Judas was a traitor was among them he replied I am he check out what he said and the moment Jesus spoke the words I am he the mob fell backward to the ground. I'm sorry. We've got to remember that Jesus was, he, I know, I know it's, it's tempting to forget that he was all man. But when they were looking at him, they weren't looking at him how we see him today. They were seeing him as a threat to everything that they were Preaching. So they saw a mere man, I'm sorry, if someone would have said, I am he, and his very voice blew me back into the ground. I'm sorry, I would have I been gone. I'm, 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 all right, you got this, Pippin. <laughs> you are he, and I'm out of here. So once more, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? As they stood up. (laughs) I go to the movies when I look at the Bible. Anybody else do that? They answered, and and, uh, as they stood up, they answered Jesus of Nazareth. (sighs) Lord, help me. It's something about knowing who you are that changes everything. It's something about having a clear understanding about your identity that that makes you behave in a particular way. You, you, could, you could say this both positively and negatively. If you look online and you scroll through TikTok, you can see how many people know or think they are what, what they are. And I'm confused, confuzzled as to what people really believe about who they are. Accepting Living in a way, Lord, help me. If, if, if when you know who you are, there is a power that you inherit that people away, when you are not confused as to what you were created to do, when you know who your daddy is, when you know what your daddy has done to make sure that you are the way that you should be, then there's a way that you conduct yourself. I like that word, posture yourself. You could also say those who don't posture themselves in that way may not truly understand their identity. The question is what you believe about God. There was something that your mama taught you when you was a kid that I think we overlooked. That I think we may need to go back to the Lord just gave it to me just now, just just now. So interesting. But well, what did what did your mama say uh, when you prayed for your food? God is and God is now we thank Him for our now. I okay, guess so I guess you did by His hands. By his hands we all are that. Thank you Lord for the daily bread Give us our daily bread Whichever one you say It's the first two statements (laughs) Uh, It's the first two that I think we need to remember God is And God is Now I think these two statements That we learned when we were children Are the foundation For which of which we ought to believe About our father Something that I believe about our father It's something that I, that I think about Every week uh, Or every day When I'm worshiping God I think about our father Father, Your father is your progenitor is that good? He is your male parent Right? Uh, the male Decides The male chromosomes Decide gender Did you hear me? The male, and no, no, if you have a, a, a woman and a woman, there's no child coming, first of all. And then two, when the, whether it was put in you or it received in you, if I could just keep PG real quick, either way, a male had to do something to a female to get a baby. Am I, am I saying that right? Yeah. All right. The father is the one that not only determines your gender. Man, I did, I did not make myself a woman. Jesus did that. The Lord did that. And, and I, I think he said it's good. Well, if y'all don't, I think Frederick said, then I'm all right with that. The father is the biological ancestral source. And if if it's the father God that we're talking about who is our father, how much greater is he than Rockefeller? That's an easy and simple way of saying it. More importantly, how should we behave if God is our father? What kinds of decisions should you be making? What should you say or not say? What kinds of relationships should you actually have? How are you raising your children? I'm sorry, this is a sore subject right now. When I found out all that Disney is doing, do your own research. They have made it company policy not to say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, so they don't alienate people. I'm sorry, that is an indictment against my father. How would you behave? What would be your identity if you knew that God was your father? Three simple places that I'd like to remind you, and there's so many things, so many things that we could talk about today. But as, as it is my fashion, I I like to give you things that will that you can um, use in on Monday. Yeah, that good, I, because uh, I think that um, it's very important. I love. Um, our bishop because he's always making sure that what we have, we can use it for our life. It's not enough to pontificate about the exegetical truth that's ethereal in in heaven somewhere, right? We We got to be able to use this. So real simple, three ways I want you to apply just being able to know who you are. First of all, you know that we are integrated beings. Three parts, yes? I'll start from the innermost part of ourselves to the outer, is that good? In your, in your spirit, yes? Which is the spirit of God inside of you. Uh, what I've come to find out is my understanding, check me, Elder Yule, that uh, uh, animals have souls, they don't have spirits. I'm gonna help you in just a minute. With that, I know that animals ain't got no spirit. Let me help you just a minute, right? Animals don't have, so we have a spirit, which is the spirit of God inside of us. It's that thing, that know in your knower, that when you walk up in something, and you know it ain't supposed to be there. There's something going on, your stomach go to rumbling. How many, how many of y'all, your stomach doesn't went to rumbling? <laughs> that's that's a That's a clue for you to step back. Some of, you, some of you get that rumbling when you know you need to jump out there. Right? It's the Spirit of God. It's the Father pushing you into your destiny. I can't go there into yet, right? But you got spirit and then you got your soul, right? That's why Jesus, uh, your soul is a comprised of your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, and your decisions. This is why Jesus came to save your soul. He don't need you to save your spirit. He needs to save your soul. Because some of the decisions that we have made, I'm going to turn around this way. The decisions that we done made, ooh, done got us in trouble. Some of the thoughts in our minds, we haven't understood the control that you're supposed to have over the thoughts in your mind. Some of y'all need, come on, raise your hand if you need Jesus in your mind. And then, of course, we have our body. Spirit only, only fed with the presence of God, the word of God, worship. Soul only fed with information, relationships. Your body only fed with sleep, food, and exercise. Somebody say exercise. It's not a cuss word. Say exercise. exercise. <laughs> Ain't that right, Chris? Some of y'all need to drink some water. Skip down to Philippians 3:20. So, uh, one of the most important questions that you can answer, be able to answer, is: um, Is there life after death? Now, I know it sounds such a deep thing. We're going to go through these things if you want to take our class. Kingdomology is going to start on the 14th. This is one of the questions that you need to be able to answer. And it's a very important one. Because if there is no life after death, if when you die, you're just going to be a worm food, right? Then there's no reason in living in a particular way. Oh, but if there's life after death, you will want to uh, pay attention. Philippians Three, verse 20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we also await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ christ i think i should go ahead and do it. first corinthians 15 verse 50 now i say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god flesh and blood sorry cannot inherit the kingdom of god you your body is not going to the kingdom of god so this is here's the deal your body is housing who you really are steward it carefully Nor does a perishable, perishable inherit imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will raised imperishable, and we will be changed. for this perishable must not on imperishable, and this mortal must not put on immortality. But when but when this perishable, will put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your stings, your victory? Some of y'all are scared to die. Oh, but if you take the imperishable part of you, the imperishable part in you, and dedicate it to the Lord, then death has no hold on you don't have to be afraid i know we don't talk about this a whole lot here at metro but uh heaven is jesus is spending his life trying to get to us lord jesus can't go there and this immortal death where swallowing victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin It's in the law, but thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My God, verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we beloved brethren be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our toil is not in vain. All that you do from the source of your spirit is not in vain. It is the imperishable part of your life. It should drive your soul and come out as a decision that you walk out with your body. When you strengthen the the greatest and the most interesting part of you, and that is your spirit. If we start there, if we start there, I promise your life is going to be different. This is why we have daily devotions, because we need to feed our spirit. I think it was Matthew that said that the flesh is always weak. If the flesh is always weak, you better strengthen your spirit so it can have control over your weak flesh. That makes sense to you? If you behave like you belong to the father then you will strengthen your spirit Matthew 15 not going to read it but it's a story where a lady had the, um, the, the uh, de- demonized daughter she goes to Jesus while he's eating and uh, says uh, yo I need your help cause my daughter something have happened and something got to be did. And Jesus looks at her and said, I ain't going to give the, the pigs, the, you know, the, the, what am I supposed to give to the dogs? And she came back at that joke and said, even the dogs get the crumbs. I'm sorry. She knew who she was. She knew who she was. She wasn't even going to be turned away by Jesus himself. I'm sorry. Some of y'all have just prayed a little prayer and saw it in the Word of God. When Jesus said no, you walked away from it destroyed and, 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 and depressed and down and, 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 and mad at church people because you didn't get your prayer answered. Oh, but if you knew who you were, you wouldn't even be denied. Man, by Jesus. I think about Hannah. First Samuel says that the Lord had closed her womb. I'm sorry, sounds like it would be the end right there, right? But she stayed right there at the altar. And she decided that what was in her heart she wanted and she was not going to be denied. Praying like a crazy person. The priest thought she was drunk. The Lord had to look at her. The Lord, the Lord said, or the, or when, 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 when Rebecca prayed for a child, the, Genesis says, I think it was probably Moses who wrote it, that God remembered her. Don't you, don't be such a punk. Because if you knew who you were, maybe you'd behave just a little bit differently. Healing is God's children's bread. My God, we are grateful for that. Romans five seventeen. death once held us in its grip and by the blunder one man, death, re, re- as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom from the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah? Trying to tell you who you are. Trying to expose the secret that the enemy is trying his best not for you, for you not to understand. So busy wishing you were in a different family when all you had to do is realize who your father is. Because when you realize who your father is, you start living differently. You start deciding differently. You start making money decisions differently. Then when you see that sale, you don't have to go because you don't have to have it. Because maybe there are certain Decisions that you need to make until you, get, you, you discipline yourself because you don't want to waste it on certain things. You understand? What you have to remember is that you, and, and, and check this out, and, and that there's nothing you can do to earn this right. That to me is one of the most powerful is that it is a gift. You know, people are so selfish these days. People are selling all kinds of things. It is real difficult for us to realize that God really just wants to give us something. And that which he gives us is of his own love. Just because he loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Man, that's sweet to me. I think sometimes, especially as believers, let me make sure I go to Connection Group. Let me make sure I have my devotion. Let me say hello on the the, uh, the devotion so they can know I'm here. Trying our best to earn what God died and resurrected so that you could have. Squandering, Lord, the gift that God has given us. That he accepts you just as you are. Now, when, he, when you come to him, you're going to, one of the things he's gonna do is he's gonna change you. And I think that's one of the other reasons why, Shonda, people don't, people don't want to be a believer because the first thing he's gonna do is, 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 is change you. That's the, the first thing he's gonna do is make you new. And I know what it is, we're holding so hard onto the things that we love so much because it's become a part of our personality and the things that we, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but, but God wants to give us that life from his life. Him being the source, us being the executor of the will. But there's one thing that we have to do is we have to remember that we are Accepted adopted i remember sitting at the table at our at our my uh at our house everybody has it, their own space we pretty much sit around the same places as a family still to this day um and my dad would say things like johnson's don't lie right then if you're done told a lie you you already be like uh well, maybe my name is jenkins My mom would say, when we walk up in here, don't ask for nothing, right? But then when we got home, what we were going to ask for would be in the cupboard, cupboard, the pantry. That better word, <laughs> the cupboard. I was raised by 70-year-olds, I promise you. Today is about making a decision and, that's, and it's as simple as that. I think sometimes we try to make it so dadgum difficult. You have to make a decision about who you are. And the moment it's because of your name or because of your gender or because of your race, your ethnicity, the, is the moment you subject yourself to whatever that means. But the moment you identify yourself because of, who you belong to it changes everything it changes everything once you believe that you are accepted once you believe that you are adopted I know some of you grew up with some interesting parents now I know y'all love Flynn and Carolyn God have mercy we have had a lot of interesting conversations about the way we were raised you know so interesting being the child the, the adult child of a parent isn't, isn't that interesting it is, the, it is the it is where we get to say, say and you get to say a few things like that you couldn't say when you was five because <laughs> my mama's hands are as big as my daddy's I'm not playing like they were the same size ring <laughs> you think I'm about to say something no no Carolyn can drive a stick, feed a baby, and, and uh, feed herself and pow! Mommy, he was scared of that dog, man. Now that I'm adult, you ask me a question, and give me permission to tell the truth. No, I really did grow up, man, with the best family in the world, but it wasn't perfect. Sometimes you have to remember who your father really is. Some of you didn't grow up with a father. And your relationship with your natural father has been the way that you have treated God. Absent, unavailable, nowhere to be found. And that's why you don't talk to God regularly because you were taught as a child that a father wasn't present. I understand, I absolutely get it that we are an anomaly Man, but the moment you understand who God is and who he made you to be, you begin to make a different decisions. Will you give me five minutes? I wanna show you something I've been looking at uh, last couple, actually this last week, it's so funny, it's the only thing I've been listening to, the only thing I've been listening to is this new, this uh, the newest joint with uh, Israel Newbreed, y'all heard it, heard it? Yeah, it wasn't a lot of people that, that really had heard about it. He redid a lot of his older songs and he put it in a live album, so there's no, um, it's, it's continuous, it's called the Live Project from LA or something like that, you can Google it yourself. And uh, so there's this one song that I love that does me, does me good, you know what I mean? You ever heard, I don't know about you, but I am very inspired by, by music one thing that's wonderful about music is it forces left and right brain to work together. That's what's most powerful about it. That's why it's so important to worship God. It's so important that you be here early because we worship God first. Because we need our, our whole life to be engaged in what God is going to do. I'm going to show you something. And and what, what I really want you to do is listen to the words and and, and uh, uh Get lost in the things that you need to hear today so that you can make a decision about who God is to you. That good? All right.
2: Table. I know who I am. I know who I am. I have a seat at the table. I know. Sure. I know
0: been sitting at the right table, eating the right diet with the family of God, this is your place, this is your time to realize whose table you are sitting at, who's at the head of that table, and the the provision that he has put out for you. It's time for you to accept that, and now also begin to walk in it. Those of you who are saying, you know what? I need to uh, sit back at the table. This is not just about salvation. This is about all the other stuff as well, where the provision hasn't been what, it, what it's supposed to be, where the decisions haven't been up to par, and the and the things that I need, I haven't been walking in.